Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to The Edge with Mark Thompson. Welcome to our show. Great episode with a visit from our old co-host, Heather Ankeny. If you don't know Heather, you'll know everything you need to know about her as the episode starts. We explain everything, and so don't worry about that. And she's delightful. You can just tell we're all in a better mood because Heather's around, and it'll be fun. That's the first part of the show. Michael Shore, with our typical political talk, isn't here. So we have what I think will be really an interesting take on what's going on politically and economically in the second half of the show. That's Gerald Salenti, who's a trends analyst, and his Trends Journal newsletter is something you may have heard about. You've heard him probably on George Norrie, those people who listen to George Norrie's show, he's on occasionally. And I, I just like his very clean and no-nonsense take on things. Whether or not you agree with him, you can decide on that as you hear him. But I do think he's got a track record through the years of some pretty solid analysis. So you'll hear that in the second half of the show. So first half is uh, Heather and a rejoin with her. Second half is Gerald Salenti and Trends Analysis. Thanks for all of you who've supported the show in the many ways that we can get support clicking on the Amazon link and doing Amazon shopping through our website, edge-show.com. Same Amazon as you'd normally be on, but they spin off a little piece, so I think it's 0.5% of whatever you spend uh, is sent to our show, and as a result, it helps us keep the lights on. And those of you who have hit the PayPal link, kind of our virtual tip jar, so appreciate that. One person actually just this week, one of my new best friends, Mark from Houston, Texas, says, I've been listening for a long time and have been meaning to donate. Sorry for the delay. And he sent us 50 bucks. Thank you, Mark. And all the money, every dollar, stays with the podcast to pay webmaster, producer, booker, that kind of thing. Anyway, so thank you. That's available on our website, edge-show.com. Your comments, reactions, thoughts, always welcome. You can either leave them on the website, edge-show.com, or you can reach us directly. And that email address is... Edge with Mark Thompson at gmail.com. Look, I think that's all the preliminaries. Is there anything else? J. Elvis Weinstein, whose movie I Need You to Kill is available for streaming on Amazon Prime. He joins me as we welcome Heather back into the fold, and then Gerald Salenti will analyze worldwide trends, both politically and culturally. That's the show. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. This is the edge. The advantage, it means. Hey, look, I just spit on me for no reason. That's horrible. Is there some comfort in uncertainty, do you think? You're a degenerate. Because Australian shepherds need action. Wow. Yeah. This is the edge. That's a self-loathing term that I use. Oh, got it. Edge-show.com. Edge-show.com. Uh, Josh, speak for me. I will speak as much or as little as you'd like. Josh, Mark. I need you to stay on the microphone. Okay. And I will tell you that I yield to no man in my love and respect for you. Wow. It's good to know. Having said that, <laughs> I will tell you that I am in receipt of an email from one of our listeners. Yeah. Steve in Ohio. (laughs) 
And Steve in Ohio and I have grown very close, Josh. Yeah. And do you know why we've grown close? Because Steve complains about the audio a lot? <laughs> no, because okay. Steve made a contribution through the PayPal link. Oh, wow. Website. People do that? Edge-show.com. Wow. And Josh, my affections can be bought. Yeah. And Steve has purchased them. Hooray for Hollywood. And Steve, who I'm about to make a producer on the show. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that much of a donation. He said, if I was a producer, I would turn up the volume on the person who speaks so softly. I believe his name is Jay Elvis. Wow. That makes my presence feel unfelt in so many ways. You know what? I, I totally to, agree. I have to strain to hear him quite often. It sounds like he's quite tired. <laughs> well, that, that may be true, but... I, I think, think he's it's a, tired of this show. I, I think, think it's a poor carpenter who blames his tools, frankly, <laughs> Mr. Engineer. Yeah, you're right. It's my fault. <laughs> it's so fun to have Heather Ankeny back with us. Yes, it is. Yeah, Heather's back. I ain't sounding tired today. Woo, Heather's here. <laughs> it is fun to have Heather uh, back, and she's only passing through town. Um, you know, she's moved away. You've moved away to... Like a kidney stone in the night. <laughs> you did leave so abruptly. It was very abrupt. Yeah. To remind everybody, I mean, when we started this show... When did we start it, Heather? 2013. 2013, we started this show, and Heather was the co-host on the show, and we soldiered on, just the two of us, and then we met, like, the Scarecrow and Dorothy met the Tin Man. <laughs> we met Jay Elvis. And, and that was, made everything come to life, didn't it? And that began this little trio... But then you met, like, the cowardly lion and then went off to marry him. I mean, that's where the story kind of breaks okay, down. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Or is he the man behind the curtain? I think, I think he seems more like the man behind the curtain. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I was just trying to keep it with the truth. I know. But you're right. It's an imperfect He can buy and sell both of us is really what I'm saying. Yeah. She met a wealthy and powerful man, and she followed him to... But he's also a really But he had been guy. humbled by the time she fell in love. Humbled? For those who don't know, he did... Uh, Serve some time. Wrongly accused. You know, I was wondering, like, I had a bet with how many minutes into this show you were going to bring that up. And I actually lost my own bet. <laughs> you thought I'd wait longer? I thought you'd wait a little bit longer, I'm yeah. I'm sorry. Well, we're just trying to explain. It's the most you're... exciting thing that ever happened to Mark's life. It, is that it you? really, sadly, I actually believe that. Blame me. You're the one who said he was humbled. <laughs> All right, anyway, the point is, it's great. Well, I knew you were headed. I was trying to, like, speed it up a little. <laughs> okay. Again, it's my fault. Yes, the I, edge with Mark Thompson. Yeah, there you go. Right. You, I got to own it. So Heather left, and we've missed you. And it's great that you're going to be sitting in for today. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. So update us on your life a little bit. Really not much to update you on. Nothing's really changed except my physical location. And that part's cool. So I'm... Happiness level overall, though, has that changed? Has it, has it elevated since being living separately? Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. The best part about being up there is being with each other. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I don't particularly... And no traffic, you said. And no traffic. Well, there's traffic. I just don't have to drive my car much. <laughs> I'm not driving around to, you know, Santa Monica at five for an audition for, you know... Traffic doesn't matter to a shut-in. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> it is great, though. I mean, I, my, my car is really happy. It's not getting many miles put on it. Uh, yeah, you know, for those, again, who don't know the background, Heather is an actress and producer, and but, but really her daily life here in L.A. was... Acting, and acting means you're auditioning a lot of the time. And so you're acting at auditions. So you're going for commercials and for theatrical stuff. And other. And it was mostly, it's mostly commercials, which is why, you know, the television and movie auditions I get, I can still do. And we built a little self-tape studio. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wish. A self-tape studio, because you do that a lot. Now, even in L.A., actors put themselves on tape a lot. So I've got my lights and... 
oh, that's my whole great. setup, so it looks a lot more professional, and yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I never thought of that. So you, you can really audition from anywhere. You can. You can put yourself you on can. tape. If you get a call back, I assume you have to come in. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. This trip down here this time is because of what? Uh, I need to get my Xanax prescription refilled. Oh. Like things can't very go well. If that she's was very frank. I like that. <laughs> I actually was kidding. Half kidding. I did add that to the list of things I'm going to do down here. But uh, yeah, I'm, I came down here for two things work-wise. Uh-huh. And then I have like three doctor's appointments and getting my hair done. All the things that I miss about Los Angeles that you just can't find up there. You know, you can get your Xanax at the hair salon. You don't need to go <laughs> That's to right. That's what great, another great thing about LA. Yeah. We have so yeah. few. You know, it's, it sounds really stupid, especially to you boys, but when you are locked in to the people that, you know, sort of help you maintain. Right, the beauty, the beauty team. <laughs> yeah, and I know you guys don't get this, or maybe you do, because you have I've a gone wife. to the same per- woman uh, cutting my hair for like 25 years. Yeah, so, so to just and move somewhere. And her job has gotten easier and easier and easier <laughs> over the years. <laughs> Well, to move somewhere and just kind of try and find, that sounds so dumb, but I'd much rather, when I'm here, get all that stuff done. I can certainly see keeping a doctor and some of the people who are involved in like your life through the years and your health and people you trust. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, Especially with Southwest Air. It's so easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a bus. It's, it is. It's a bus in the sky. And it's, it's literally a 40-minute flight. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, though. The uh, I guess you're leaving from San Jose. That's easier than San Francisco. San For Francisco sure. can be a pain. San Francisco is a nightmare. Yeah. I've had to bail and drive home from San Francisco a couple of times. Really? Yeah. Just because oh I was like, gosh. well, we're going to try again in the morning. I'm like, no, I'm trying tonight. Yeah, seriously. Wow. What's important to you these days, Heather? Do you follow the news? Do you follow the... What, what's moving your meter? You know, that I sort of... I was just talking to Josh about this. I've I had taken this year to sort of regroup after I had the big health issue last year. So that year is up. So I'm kind of regrouping now, refocusing. So I um, actually am involved with a charity in San Jose called Unity Cares, which is helping foster youth once they, there's, there's different arms of the program, but once they age out of the program, oh, helping good. them find housing and jobs. And so they just don't turn 18 and say, here you go. So this year I'm on this committee and Stedman Graham is the keynote speaker for our event, which is in a couple wow. weeks. And yeah. it's fun because I've secured some auction items from some of my celebrity friends. What, which... are, what are Stedman Graham's actual individual life accomplishments? Mark? I, I think he comes from the world of finance. You're sitting guess. in front of the computer. Okay. I, I, no, I think he comes from the world. I, I'm guessing that he's like a Wall Street kind of guy. I'll look right now, but I, that's my guess. I didn't mean to take any wind out of the uh, keynote speaker. No, it's fine. Thing. I'm just really curious. Yeah, and I don't know. You know, I'm looking forward to meeting him. We get to meet him a little bit before the, the whole event starts. Yeah. But I don't know what he's going to speak on. I haven't been privy to that, like how it factors into this specific charity. Right. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Well, let me tell you about Stedman Graham yeah, Jr. Please do. He's very uh, smart. Turns out he's a podcaster. No way. Yeah. I guess he's locked on to the big money of podcasting. Okay. <laughs> he, it says Stedman Graham Jr., is an American educator, author, businessman, speaker, and podcaster, <laughs> primarily known as the longtime partner of media mogul Oprah Winfrey. Graham and Winfrey were engaged to be married in November 1992, but later decided they would rather have a spiritual union. Ah. Okay. All right. Beard. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, now here is, but let's just figure out where he made his money. I think it was somewhere in Wall Street, but here we go. Graham okay. eventually moved to High Point, North Carolina, to establish himself in public relations. Oh. oh. 
Graham worked on behalf of black causes and worked with many distinguished clients. Maya Angelou, South African activist Winnie Mandela, also founder of Chicago's AAD, formerly Athletes Against Drugs, a nonprofit organization that provides services to youth. Hmm. 1988, he created the S. Graham and Associates organization, a Chicago-based corporate and educational marketing consulting firm. He's wow. not a Wall Street guy. He's a marketing guy. He's a marketing guy. And he's and chosen very wisely. Where did he go to school? He went to um, Hardin-Simmons University. It's a private Baptist school in Texas. Whoa. Yeah. And he's held his own with uh, Maya, Winnie, and Oprah. <laughs> I mean, he got a master's at Ball State, also in business. Uh, or in education, sorry, not in business. I think that that actually is not easy to run with that crowd, is it? No. no. I mean, I just imagine, like, even when they said that he was going to be the keynote, your first thought is Oprah. Right. Right. And I feel like that would be really hard to sort of, he's not in her shadow. I mean, by obviously you just read, you know, he's, he's his own dude. But right. But, wouldn't that be hard? Well, he's his own dude, but to be Probably. fair, I mean, I think he's benefited from the glow off of Oprah. In some ways, you know, Gail King has benefited off the glow off of Oprah as well. Well, but if you're, and also if you're in PR, your whole mindset is to create the glow of others. That's a good point. You know, That's a good point. And be, I mean, fine, in, and be fine with that. In that sense, right. It's yeah. a really good union. I mean, if he were coming to my charity event as a speaker, it would be everybody's going, God, I wonder if he'll bring Oprah. You think he'll totally. bring Oprah? You know, totally. That's right. So. You know, for the no. silent auction stuff, I'm like, <laughs> can Oprah, Oprah's book club, like a signed book from Oprah? I don't know. Something? Yeah. No, I can't even ask. Stedman, I hope this isn't out of line, but, you know. Can you pretend you're Eric Holder? Could you? Because <laughs> <laughs> you get a Sharpie and just have her sign anything so for our auction. It's really just an O, right? I mean, I'm sure at this point he could do it himself. Anyway, we're next, excited. If it's next it's cool. to your signature, Stedman, it'll be, people will buy it. <laughs> Anyway, it's very, very cool. So, so yeah, I'm trying yeah. to sort of you know, dive into the community there and while I continue to work on my own stuff. Right. Yeah. Always, always be pitching, right? Isn't yeah. That... <laughs> so, well, I think, I mean, I think that's a great, that's a great cause. I think my wife is a community college teacher, so she's, she's run into some kids who've, you know, who've come out of the foster system into oh, yeah. there and, you know, and have been sort of very sort of cut adrift. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't even, I don't, uh, I can't even imagine. You just got a suitcase and out you go. Yeah. You know? There's no, you can't like call the city for money. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. right. I'm sorry. I don't want to lord it over you guys, but I am a mentor to somebody. Right. And um, how does that differ from being, is it an organized big brothery sort no, of no, mentor? I'm, I'm really kind of half teasing. I'm, I'm really talking about my relationship with the cat. Oh, but, I really but was she about to joke about She does. I see you negotiating with her when she's on a chair breaking yeah. it up. Well, she's I am, friendly. I am, I am a mentor to one very talented product of the foster system. That's why I mention it. And she was in five different foster homes. Her mother was a prostitute. Mm-hmm. All these guys are coming through the house all the time. She's, it, it, it's really a harrowing, almost like, like a Charles Dickens type story. And she's amazing. She's now 19. She's been adopted formally by a family. And she's remarkable. She's, I mean, I follow her really through social media. And I, I always say to her, I haven't done anything for you as a mentor. I mean, I, did a, I, mean, I got her into a couple of things. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I got her a couple of meetings, but that's about the, the extent of it. But her... Life as it was reconstituted once she actually got a social structure is fascinating to see. And you see the importance of um, good educators and good, strong life figures in someone's life, even as they emerge from what you'd think would be a system that would damage them. Right. You know? Well, it take, and it takes character on the kid's part to go, I need this. I need a mentor. Or I need, you know, right. I need right. to find my own. Right. She approached me. I was speaking. And Josh, you know this. When I'm a speaker at any event. Yeah, so you just look down at the palm of your hand, and, I'm, and there I mean, she I'm, was. You yeah. know this, Heather. I mean, people are drawn to my speaking. It's remarkable. I believe that. You're kidding, but I believe it. Anyway, she did come up after, and she said, would you consider being my mentor? And I, oh. it's like, that's so sweet. I was like, oh, my God, you know, tell me about you. And then she told me the story, which is, like, harrowing. And I said, of course, I'll help you in any way I can, you know. Well, you know, and they have a graduate of the program, if you will. I don't know the exact terminology, but speak every year also and how their life benefited, not just the obvious. So right. there's some really tug-on-your-heart stories that no, come from these tug on your young adults. Tug-on-your-checkbook stories. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah you need Well, it takes money to, unfortunately, you know, it, to, to drive a little bit of it. Yeah, um, yeah I'm thinking about, uh, she is 18, this girl. She's an attractive girl. And, like, I... She was 19 a second ago. 19. She was 18 when she approached me. I guess 19 now. And... Um, Seems like only a year ago. <laughs> I, I, but I'm like super careful not to like touch her in, at all. Well, obviously. Good. No, no, I know. But, Good but, call oh that. No, no, but, 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 it's, but it's weird. Like even in this, and, and, and I'm getting to a point in, in this new environment, I'm super careful. I already was a little bit this way, but now I'm like incredibly, like I won't hug anybody in any way that is, Fine. I want no contact between my body and the other person's body. Yeah. You know what I mean? Fine. Um, I no, no and I think that. That, I think that that's a good way to be. You know, and I and I would encourage all of my. I got that just from living in Minnesota all my uh, <laughs> growing up. Uh, you know, I was with a, a friend last night who's a little bit of a celebrity and asked to have pictures taken with him a lot, and he was saying that it's it's been probably a year now, but he. Always has his hands keep in both front. hands oh. visible. Yeah. I keep, I, my hands are uh, visible after the Al Franken, uh, the yeah. Al Franken debacle. Well, the Al Franken thing seems almost charming now compared to everything else that's coming out. My God, they burnt that guy at the stake way early. Yeah. Well, uh, he also didn't fight it. I mean, he just well, the Democrats don't fight anything. They run before they're even chasing him. You know. No, he was right to do what he did. Though I think he, I think if he wants to run again, he could win again. Oh, I agree. But uh, I agree. but I think he was right. He would he at would, the time. You're at saying. the time, there was he, there was no win in defending himself. At that moment, have you had a in your casting situations, Heather, something where like a casting director or other producer director has 
come on to you clearly and you've had to you know, make that decision? Yeah, it was really weird when all this started happening, sort of big time last fall, I think it was, when we really were heavy into the beginning of the Me Too. Wasn't that when Harvey Weinstein went down last fall? But all of a sudden, not for nothing, but there were some things that started popping up that I had completely forgotten about. And I was just kind of waiting to see if those names were going to come up. And I wasn't going to say anything, but I was shocked at how many things I all of a sudden started to remember having had happened. And some that really suck. You know, I, nothing like, you know, will you stay here while I shower? Will you watch me masturbate? Or nothing like that. But definitely some things that could have possibly Way changed the, line, the trajectory yeah. of my career, too. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I say that. But who knows? No, it, it, that's the other thing that you feel like if you will, if I roll around with this guy, maybe after he's done rolling around with me, he's not going to help me anyway. I mean, just to play that even out. Sure. You know, and it's not right. I understand. But you, if you do that calculation, you still might not get the payoff. Or when you break up, he may blackball you from every other job. That's exactly right. But that, are you referencing that Chris Hardwick thing? Um, no, I'm referencing fucking horrible men in general. Well, that's what, I mean, the, you know, the, the example of the moment is Les Moonves, who uh, Ileana Douglas... Is, the Les Moonves, the better, I say. ...is, is suggesting oh, did blackball her, in effect. He, who? Les Moonves. Oh, uh, Ileana... Yeah, Ileana yeah. Douglas, who's been on this show. I don't... That's of no significance in the story, but I'll <laughs> mention it when You'll I get can. get it in there somehow. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, so... She says that he came on to her, and she talked about violent kissing in the article from Ronan Farrell. Right, I saw that. I didn't read the article. Yeah, no. I mean, it's a good read because it, it's that kind of thing, but, but it also it gives you the creeps because you see this powerful man presuming it, that it's true. Here's what leads to you maybe believing that it's true. She contemporaneously reported it to her manager and to her roommate at the time. So it's not like... She waited years later and then reported it. She right. did, at the time, report it to these people. And she, she called the manager and said, look, you'll never believe what just happened here. Oh. And the manager's like, you could see the manager was gravitating toward Moonves because Moonves is the power. Well, the manager, I'm sure, knew that, yeah, there's danger if you want to pursue this. And I think and danger if you don't? Well, there's physical danger if you don't. Yeah. You know. Anyway, it was a but it was career a, danger. That's a whole different ballgame. And from a manager's standpoint, that's all they're worried about is career danger. Yes, well, that's... I mean, I shouldn't say it's all, but you know what no, I mean. There's, that's their, I mean, there's... That's their front and There's honorable concern. people in every job in show business, but there's also people who aren't in every job, you know? Yeah. Have you been accused yet, Mark? Uh, Thank God I've never done anything. Jeez. <laughs> no, and I say that because I feel like, you know, I'm a guy like every other guy, you know what I mean? I mean, I'll give you an example with Heather right here. I feel like this show's evolved. Like, in the early days of this show, I would think nothing about asking Heather these inappropriate personal questions because it was sort of a radio show like that. It was kind of a morning show. Heather, tell us, did you sleep with the guy? Did oh, you, yeah, you that's right. That kind of thing. And now I, would, <laughs> now I think the way the show's evolved, we've just matured to a different place. I mean, those shows are still up, and I'm not embarrassed about that. That was The show was kind of that kind of vibe. And it was fun, and it was like, you know... You were cool and about it, and I was like this kind of like a brother going, well, did you, did you put your hand on his leg? Did you, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I, and I also felt as though that was part of the conversation and, and a fun conversation. Now I would think. Now you just do it off the air. <laughs> Which is much more appropriate, really. <laughs> but, and, and I don't even know that I would not still ask those questions, but I guess what I'm just trying to say is, you know, times change. 
people change, things evolve, and so it's all a product of the of the moment. I think sometimes. Well, and that's what a, you know. Again, I had lunch with this friend, and he was saying. It's just hard, but he was saying, you know, it's really tough to look at something that happened 20 years ago through a, you know, 2018 lens. Right. And that's sort of what you're saying right now. Eight, seven, five years ago, this was a different show and we were different people and we, I, I, it is, it is difficult. No. I was, have you guys seen the Robin Williams documentary yet? Yeah. And, and is it Inside My Mind or something like that? I haven't like seen that? it yet. How, what, what about Did it? Did you see when they would show the clips of Mork and Mindy and his sort of hijinks in between takes or when he would flub lines or... Yeah. He was doing and saying things and Pam Dauber and I just thought, oh my God, you could never get away with like 90% of the things he was doing. And it was just funny. Right. But it was crass and well, it was penises and it was... You know, it, the thing is, I mean... In some situations, yes, you still can get you can't get away with it in front of the studio audience for sure. But you know, if you have actual trust among your peers and people, and you've established that relationship, yeah, but you where think, it can be playful at that point. But you have trust still, now. But ten years from now, when you guys aren't friends anymore, and and someone's like, hey, you know, I was really offended with those penis jokes back on set. That yes, I mean, it's not it's smart tough. to do. Yeah, I agree, it's not smart to do. But I just, I'm just saying, it can still be funny. <laughs> many roads with Robin Williams led to his crotch. He grabbed well, yeah, his crotch. And, and, well, that, and how many racist dialects did he do that he couldn't do anymore? Sure. Right. He couldn't do his go-to black guy anymore. He couldn't do his go-to gay guy anymore. He couldn't do, you know. Oh, that's an interesting. There's so many of his. see this documentary. There's so many of his stock characters. Okay, everybody. Can't do that anymore, you know. Can't do all, you can't do Leroy like this anymore either, you know. It's wrong. <laughs> And why I just is did it. Do... I just did it, but it was. <laughs> I think it was. Like I, it was I could no. I knew I was doing it. But I'm I thought, an example of something I thought that was wrong. Con contextually, it was academic. Yeah. Well, we'll accept a written apology for those. Well, I won't. I won't issue one. <laughs> I'm tweeting about it right now. <laughs> Josh uh, is doing the best black guy. <laughs> oh my God. Good grief. Well, anyway. Yeah, but we are a product of the time. Yeah. Well, for the uh, most part, it's better. You know, it's of course. not entirely better. Because people go looking to be offended, and that's the, that's the toxic environment part of it, is that, you know, I don't have any sympathy for people who are like, why can't I say the N-word anymore, you know? Oh, of course, yeah, right. I don't have any sympathy for the political correctness is inherently bad and evil position, but I don't have a lot of tolerance for people who are hunting for offense. Well, Jake Johansson was on the show recently, Heather, and he said the thing about social media and the thing about the new media environment is that everybody's a cop. They just can't wait to pull you over for something you said, did, some reference you made. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what Josh is saying, that uh, in essence... You didn't understand me? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm reconstituting what Josh said in a more palatable form. I'll probably cut Josh out of the show. Oh, completely. I but I only leave you know, his super funny stuff in. But that really rang true to me when he said it. Like you, because you see it on Twitter. Twitter is essentially 40% cops yeah. calling other people out for stuff. And 50% critics. Know, I pretty much stopped tweeting. You I, have, I've noticed. Yeah, and, it, and, then, and then I saw the Mr. Rogers documentary and tweeted out something about it. And then they picked up on it and they retweeted my tweet. So it, it got a little bit of action. But funny enough, because in my bio has sort of the list of things that I've done. And this one guy, I didn't even realize what he was referencing, but he was like, y y 
very upset that apparently I was affiliated with TYT and how they ignored the Armenian genocide, or I don't even remember exactly what he wow, said. It's such a bullshit but thing I'm like, I hear it over I'm and over. I'm talking about, bullshit. he's like, yeah, like I take advice from somebody that works for, and right. I... I get that too. I'm like, dude, I'm just talking about the Mr. Rogers documentary, and like, right. just... Just, Plus, I'm that's a, that is a bust, and just because you mentioned it, that I hear all the time, or, or frequently, but TYT is called the Young Turks. It's a reference to rebels, the all young right. rebels. Now, you can say, well, it's run by a Turkish guy. Yeah, it happens to be run by it's a Turkish an guy. But it's not, it's not, it has no reference to the Turks. And if you have watched, Cenk has made the point excruciatingly clear that he believes unquestionably, I mean, and there's no doubt, there was an Armenian genocide. And Anna, who is Armenian, and she's essentially the co-host on TYT, yeah. she's made the point over and over and over again. In fact, she did it in a really powerful YouTube posting about three months ago. She's coming up as a guest on this show as well, and okay. we can ask her about it. But the point is, it's, a, it's like a reflex, knee-jerk, go-to bust. Oh, well, I would take oh, advice TYT, from yeah. blah, 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 and TYT, the Young Turks. And it's bullshit. Right. But I just, it was that same, you know, it's that cop mentality that you're talking about, where I was like, you're policing. I, yeah, just, you're not even, you're like, and you haven't even done the Turks in forever. Right. No, yes, it was like. But there a, was just, there was nothing policeable about your tweet. There yeah, right, right. right. Just and I still out. got right. in trouble for <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah. It was yeah. just. Uh, no, it is it is bogus. But I don't, you know, I, I actually get very little, considering how many political things I tweet, I get very little blowback, but I tend to just, you know, I accept that 1% that's just going to flow right. through my timeline and I'm not going to absorb what they're saying. You well, know? you're, I mean, you're really better. You, you're better at letting stuff wash over you in general, I think. Uh, you don't rise to the bait. Plus your stuff, you crank at a really good, if you have not, you should follow Josh on Twitter, at J. Elvis Weinstein. And you should follow Heather once and every time she sees a documentary, uh, once every three years. Yeah. <laughs> She'll tweet. Uh, save but, yourself, She hates I, Armenians. Stop. But, but Josh, you crank out a lot of funny stuff. So I think people tend to... Almost primary. I mean... Yeah, it's I really mean, jokes. I, yeah, it's either jokes or self-promotion. But they're topical. Yeah. Or, or self-promotion. Yeah. I'm too scared to even self-promote. I mean, seriously, Twitter has just become this like very fearful... Well, you should. Please, That's what me. it's there for. I mean, you got. You should. I mean, it's one more platform you can at least get the word out. And I do expect you to self-promote this particular episode. I will. All right, uh, Heather. I love that you're here. Yay! Please visit more frequently. <laughs> I will. And again, we're here to speak to your father about a murder. No, we're not doing this again. I'm afraid if, if we're going to. Josh, I'm afraid just, my just father. <laughs> I'm afraid that's impossible. Why is that? That was because my father. <laughs> Died two days ago. That's the best bit we've ever done on this show as a threesome, was that whole thing of the three of us trying to figure out my dialogue from that TV show. <laughs> I still I think it's the best. I was crying, laughing, listening back to it's it. It's the very best dialogue in those procedurals. When the cops come to talk to somebody and the person says, oh, I'm afraid you'll be waiting a long time. And the cop says, oh, why is that? Because our father died on Tuesday. And it's like, bum, 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 act break. Hi, uh, we're looking for Miles Whitehall. I'm, I'm his son. Is there something I can help you with? What is it, Robert? Is everything okay? We need to speak to your father. Our father? I'm afraid that's impossible. We can wait. You'll be waiting a long time. Our father's dead. He died of a heart attack two days ago. Talk about an excellent alibi. Wait, there it is. Thanks, Heather! There's more, Heather, as she recorded an episode with us when we welcomed in a special guest. That episode is upcoming in the next couple of weeks. But now, trends analyst, Gerald Salenti. 
Gerald Salenti joins us, and Gerald is a trends analyst, and his trends journal is a really great read. I get it regularly, and he looks at the markets worldwide and a number of other different social trends. And it-, it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Essentially boils it down so you can make decisions in your own life and just have a sense of what the future might hold. Welcome. Gerald Salenti. Well, thank you for having me on, Mark. You know, your take on the economy and your take on world economies is a pretty clean one generally. This has to provide you, I'm talking about this moment in time, challenges that you've never seen before. And by that, let me just follow with just this one example. You've got a president of the United States who is tweeting certain things that can affect the economy, like a jobs report tip or targeting certain companies that he's angry with and even suggesting that there might be a, a kind of federal retribution for what, what he sees as wrongs that these companies are perpetrating. Uh, that has to be a new kind of calculation you're doing. Yeah, that is. You know, you, you mentioned you, know, you don't always get it right. You know, there's always the wild card. And, you know, whether it's man-made or by Mother Nature, and, and there's no wilder card than the Trump card. So, you know, that's very true in that sense. But, you know, talking about things being very new, when I got it wrong, I mean, what I really missed was I thought the economy would continue to crash around 2012. They didn't teach me about quantitative easing and negative interest rates in Economics 101 or graduate school. They made this crap up. You know, let's just, how about let's rob all the little people. When they put their money in the bank, they won't get anything for it. They won't get any interest rate on it. But what we will do is we'll fuel the equity markets worldwide. So that was something that caught me totally blindsided. Now, let's just review what you've just said, because what you're talking about is, in essence, propping up the economy with additional monies and then with zero interest rate. That's what you're talking about when these interest rates are essentially zero. Yes. And what it's allowed is the stock markets to keep growing. And it's not only the United States. I mean, you know, Mark, you're a nice guy. Got a 10 year bond for you and you can (laughs) buy it in uh, Japan. And I like you so much. In 10 years, we got a negative yield. So I'm going to give you back less than you loaned me. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. (laughs) You go to the European Central Bank. They're not going to raise interest rates maybe until next summer. And at that point, they'll bring them into positive territory. They're in negative territory now. Why do you think all of these anti-establishment movements are going on? throughout Europe, because the people are tired of getting shafted. And that's all this has been. The money has only gone, and I'm not making this up. You look at the data, median household incomes below 1999 levels. And and when you talk about the tax cuts and what takes you, knocks you off loop, this is supposed to be capitalism. In capitalism, you rise and fall on your own merits. Unless, of course, If your name is Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley or Wells Fargo or Citibank, then we're going to bail you out because you're too big and you're too great to fail. But the rest of you, hey, 
too bad. What would have happened, Gerald, just on that point, what would have happened if the big bailout, the most celebrated bailout in modern history hadn't happened? If you just let those institutions, as you suggest, sort of uh, stand or fall of their own weight? We would see more small banks, moderate sized banks, rather than them having grown by multiple percentages since they were too big to fail then. And would those big institutions have collapsed? I mean, how many of them would have collapsed? A number of them would have, and they would deserve to collapse. And again, you know, I'm not making this up. Six of them were convicted of fraud, convicted of fraud. Not one head rolls. But hey, you were speeding. You're 10 miles over the limit. Where were you? What'd you have to drink? Get out of the car, stand on your head, and repeat the alphabet backwards. Yeah, the white-collar crimes in America really don't get owned as much as those that are not white-collar crimes. For example, even right now, the Manafort trial is going on, and uh, I'm thinking, well, these are guys who are used to getting away with it. They've gotten away with it for a long time. Yeah, and the reason he's not getting away with it is because it's political infighting. And by the way, I ask everyone, when I mention the word political or politician, to Google up the definition, put in definition of politician in Google. Oh, a person that runs for elected office, blah, blah blah, blah, blah. And the second part is a person that's manipulative and devious, typically to gain advancement within an organization. So that's what you got a political war going on here. In essence, if the stink of politics hadn't rubbed, domestic politics in this case, because of course Manafort was mobbed up in Ukrainian politics and, and Russian politics for a long time. But had he not had domestic politics on him, he probably could have gotten away with it for the rest of his life. Oh, sure. Yeah, who would care? You wouldn't know what a Manafort was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a, and, and I should mention this also. You don't have a political perspective. You don't come at things with a political perspective of one sort or another. No, I'm a political atheist. I, uh, briefly, I, at a graduate school, I was a number two guy running the political campaign for the mayor of Yonkers, New York, a sizable city, you know, over 300,000 people. And then they, uh, I did other campaigns throughout Westchester County, the richest county in America at the time. And they sent me up to Albany, and I was the assistant to the secretary of the New York State Senate. And that was the worst job I ever had, watching grown men grovel to suck their way up to the top. And from there, I taught American politics and campaign technology at St. John's University and was chief government affairs specialist for the chemical industry in D.C. during the 70s. So I've been around, knows what, knows what it looks like. I've been with presidents, prime ministers, and princes. And so the whole political system to me, it's just another cartel. It's, it, and, and it's made up of many of the, the people that you couldn't stand in high school and college that wanted to be class president and head of the student council. So the whole system is not working, and that's why you're seeing all of these anti-establishment movements. So I look at issues for the way they are and not for what I like, what I want, or what I wish. So to me, anybody that calls themselves by a name of a party has put themselves in a block already, and so their their mind is closed up. Well, let's go back to what's happening in, in the economics of it. I mean, this uh, what is a money grab, it would seem, on the part of the rich, the tax cut that was hurried through Congress to the point that the ink literally wasn't dry on some of these things. There were annotations like in side margins. Majority, if not literally all the legislators who voted on the tax bill hadn't read it. But it was huge corporate welfare, in effect. That was tax relief for 
corporations, I mean, the theory was, or the at least a talking point was, well, but they're going to take that money and they're, they're going to put it into retooling plants and additional hires and all the rest. But of course, it just led to a huge stock buyback, which is another thing that's fueling the stock market rise. That's 100% correct. We said this when it was going on. It happened back when George Bush did it back around 2005, 2006, around that era. 96% of the, the repatriation of the money and the tax breaks went into stock buybacks. And this year, it's estimated there's going to be a trillion dollars in stock buybacks. That's one of the reasons why you're seeing Apple's stocks jump so high. They're doing over $100 billion worth of stock buybacks. According to the Tax Policy Center, 82% of Trump's tax breaks have gone to the 1%. It's remarkable that an opposing party can't make hay of that. But with this identity politics of today is such that people get so dug in and they view it as their identity being attacked that they literally vote against their own interests. Well, there is no opposing party. And that's one of the reasons why Trump won. <laughs> yeah, well, you're right. You're right about the fact. Certainly, everyone would have to agree by now that there is no opposing party on the economics of things. I mean, they're all well, mobbed take, up with Wall the, Street. Let's take the defense of things. They just passed a defense budget, the biggest in America's history, $716 billion, 47 Democrats voted in the Senate for it, and seven against it. In the House, 139 Democrats voted for it, and 49 voted against it. Those sound like Republican numbers. Wealthy donors are driving that vote completely. Exactly. You know, people call it campaign contributions. I shouldn't say people call it campaign contributions. People with a brain smaller than a pea. Adults call it bribes and payoffs. That's all this is. These aren't campaign contributions. You're getting paid to do what I want you to do. Here's the money. It's going on in a city, state, and nation near you. And again, Mark, that's why you're seeing all of these anti-establishment movements going, you know, throughout Europe. But yeah, it's throughout not the, happening th- here. throughout the world. But but those, but even, and I think this goes to kind of what you're saying. The anti-establishment movements end up with an anti-establishment candidate maybe prevailing, but then ultimately that anti-establishment candidate is every bit as establishment, maybe more establishment, more brutally establishment than the guy they replaced. Well, not. Not so far in Italy with the Five Star Movement and the Lega, the, the League, and not with the AFD party in Germany, and not with the, um, uh, the Freedom Party in Austria. So there are parties that are, are really changing things. And you even saw the election in Mexico. And again, I'm not saying they're good or they're bad. I'm saying what they are. They're taking a different course than the establishment. And you're seeing in one country after another where even Pakistan just happened as well. You know, whether you like the guy or not, they're overthrowing the established parties. So, and those examples you gave, how does that manifest itself in terms of public policy in some of those places that you're talking about? Does it manifest itself in economic policy or social policy? Well, in Italy, for example, here, here's, a, here's a social issue. A lot of people believe that vaccinations had caused autism and they're not in favor of all these, you know, vaccinating an infant just out of the mother's womb. So they passed a law in Italy last year, and this just came out yesterday. They passed a law last year that for children to go to school, they must be vaccinated. And the new parties that just won, the Lega and Cinque Stella, the five-star movement, they opposed it. So yesterday they just voted on not forcing parents to get their children vaccinated. 
So that's an example. Number two in Italy, they're against the European Union because all the European Union does did was make Germany richer because they're able. Germany's the second largest exporter of product in the world. They're allowed to do it because they work on the euro. If they were still working with the Deutschmark, they wouldn't be exporting as much, but they have a cheap euro. So, so Germany's doing great, but there's the Italians and the and the, the and, and people in the Spanish and Portuguese governments are saying that all we've become are colonies of Germany. So we don't want to be in your euro anymore. So they're making movements to get away from that. I believe it's the beginning of the end of the euro, not within a year or two, but possibly within five or six. On that point, can Britain find its way on the Brexit thing to a to a place that is economically viable for the short term? I mean, it seems they really are confused on their Brexit. Yeah, my, my belief is this. The only people that are benefiting from these trade deals are the multinationals. You know, it, it, when you talk about the farmers, it's agribusiness. Sure, it's there are not, no real farmers. I mean, they yeah, may have a couple in a New York Times article, but that's it, yeah. Yeah, and so when you look at who is benefiting from it, it's really only the multinationals. So when you look, for example, when they're wanting to break away in the trade agreements, again, you know, the, like, there, there are things that I totally disagree with Trump on, particularly the Iranian sanctions and the hatred that's building up against the Iranian people, which people have no clue that the United States overthrew the democratically elected government of Mosaddegh in 1953, along with the MI6 in the UK, because, and it came out last year, but made none of the American newspapers the CIA reports back in 53, how Winston Churchill said, we need the Iranian energy. And Mosaddegh, who was democratically elected, he was a university professor, had the nerve and the gall to nationalize what was then Anglo-American, Anglo-Iranian oil, better known today as BP, and Standard Oil. So they overthrew the government. So now I'm against Trump and what he's doing with Iran. Going back to what I agree with Trump on, are these, these issues of tariffs. Before 1990s, 97% of our clothing and shoes is now made overseas. I'm going back to the multinationals and who this benefits. This isn't anything with China stealing our technology. They gave it to them. The deal with the Chinese was you could sell your product here, you could get it made here, but you have to only own 49% of the company and give us all your technology as well. And the major corporations of Europe and the United States said, sure, I'll do it because I could get my stuff made by slave labor, bring it back, mark up the price and make more money. End of story. So when we're looking at all of what's going on now, Brexit, all of these things, they're going to hurt the multinationals. I'm a believer that America, for example, and a number of other countries, we are a self-sustaining economy. We have more natural and human resources than we could ever pray for. And I'm a, a true, you know, everybody talks, you know, it's a riot, by the way. Again, I'm a political atheist and I go after all of them. If Barack Obama was in and when he was running for president back in 2008, he was going to overturn NAFTA because look at NAFTA because it was taking jobs away. And that was his Rust Belt pitch which he won. And he got in and of course he didn't do anything. If a Democrat was in now and saying we had to renegotiate the, these trade deals because our people, and you know the numbers, Mark, they just came out with the jobs report 
earnings are below inflation and actually wait hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Below inflation when you look at the real number. We don't have jobs that pay living wages. So going back to NAFTA, we used to have an even balance of trade with Mexico. Now we have a $71 billion merchandise trade deficit. We have a $375 billion merchandise trade deficit with China. So I believe if you to import product, yes, you want to import product, import your luxury goods. You know, I want some great French wine, some Italian prosciutto, <laughs> you know, bring it so, over, man. Ex- would you, ex- so much is made of the trade deficit and Trump, I think doesn't even, if I can, I don't mean to cast any aspersions, but I, I don't think he really has any comprehension of oftentimes what he's talking about on this stuff. He just sees it as a competition or something. Explain trade deficits, why they're important. At what point is it a critical level? I mean, can you give us sort of a layman's guide on that stuff? Yes. You and I are doing business with each other. I'm making $375 billion and I'm taking it from you and you're trying to sell me things, but I'm not buying them. Are you going to do business with me? Sounds like the kind of typical deal I would get into. No, (laughs) No, of course not. Okay. That's it. It's as simple as that. But what's important to understand is that the multinationals sold us out. The major corporations and the major retailers, they got their stuff made. They're getting it made overseas now, of course, in Bangladesh and other slave labor countries. Oh, you know, here's a funny thing. You know, I'm, I'm the same age as Trump. When I was a kid, in, even in high school, was it high school still maybe? Yeah. When they used to have us do these air raid drills and have us first hiding under our desk. Oh, yeah. But, right, because if an atom bomb went off, you'd be safe under your desk. <laughs> and adults are telling you to do this and screaming and yelling at you to do it faster. And then they had you standing in a hall with your arms behind your head. I'm mentioning this because remember how they taught us how to hate those commies? Oh, those rotten commies, the Cold War. Oh, and then the Vietnam War. How about those commies? Those commies, if we don't stop them, those dominoes are going to keep falling through Asia. And before you know it, they're going to be over where you are on the shores of California. I'm not making that up. That's what they used to say. Now, here we are. We're dealing with the biggest communist country the world has ever known the Chinese communist government. And by the way, there are, these aren't mostly private corporations. They're Chinese owned government corporations. Yeah, the multinationals sold us out to the communists. Right. Communism almost by, by definition, certainly one aspect of communism by definition is the people, that is to say the government's ownership of the means of production, right? So you're saying, in essence, we've surrendered to that. Well, again, you listen to President Xi, he keeps bragging about, you know, the Communist Party. That's who they are. It's the Communist Party right in front of our eyes. But all of these sick politicians that sent us to war to slaughter millions of innocent people and our own people. You know, they're bringing home the dead bodies from Korea because we had to stop those Chinese commies, remember? On that point, it seems to me that the American government and the Americans generally, uh, we're 
organized toward a kind of hard power, military power state of mind, and we ignore soft power. And soft power, it's been decades now, I think, of proof that soft power really wins the race, meaning dominating economically, dominating in terms of production, dominating now in this world that is linked in so many ways in communication. Culturally, certainly, America has won. I mean, we've exported our culture through Hollywood films and, and all the rest. But I guess what I'm getting at is because you mentioned communism and, and military and kind of remind us where we've been in terms of some of these communist conflicts, it, it seems to me that we've lost sight. And you mentioned the uh, the Pentagon budget as well. And uh, here's a Pentagon budget that's off the charts. And again, that that's hard power. Uh, and we, it seems as though soft power goes orphaned in our thinking. You're right. And, and you mentioned culturally in Hollywood, those days are almost over now. And, and it, we're, we're not doing, you know, one of America's greatest exports used to be jazz. You know, Louis Armstrong back in the day, they used to call him the ambassador of goodwill. He was going behind the Iron Curtain and all over the world. The whole world loved what we had. And now it's not so much anymore. And when we were also talking about hard power, you get to Trends Journal. One of our top trends for 2018 was follow the yellow silk road, meaning China's new Belt and Road Initiative. They're building, they're, they're building $60 billion worth of in infrastructure improvements in Pakistan. And they're way ahead it, of us, uh, even, even in terms of environmental build-out. And, and they're going, President Xi was all over Africa just a few weeks ago, making one to, to Senegal, to small places, or every South Africa, and, and what they're doing, and here's what we say, and going back to soft power, the business of China is business. The business of America, talking before about the Iranian sanctions, is war. President Trump has basically declared war, economic warfare, there are different kinds of warfare. It's all warfare, whether you're dropping bombs or making the people, bringing them into poverty, as these sanctions are doing. And that's not my quote. It's theirs. They want to see Iran selling zero oil. And they're the fourth largest oil producer in the world. So the business of America's war with the business of China is business. And China is buying up the world. Before China got into the World Trade Organization, and Bill Clinton brought them in, they came in two weeks after 9-11 when no one was watching, their middle class consisted of 5% of the population. Today, it's 35%. 35% of what? 1.3 billion people? They have 100 million more people in the middle class than America has people. That's unbelievable. And when you think of just the numbers alone, the, the, the manpower and uh, the economic power and the and, and the real potential of that country has yet to really be uh, unleashed, I think. Oh, no. It, it, and by the way, they're having severe economic problems as well right now. They, they have a they when China in the 1990, 1996, their debt level, corporate and, and government debt was around about $900 billion. Today it's $30 trillion. They have a debt-to-GDP ratio of about 300. A good one is about 70. In the last quarter, they had numbers that were the worst numbers going back to 1994 in terms of infrastructure development and investment. So China is also under pressure too because they built their organization up with a lot of cheap money as well. It seems as though 
so many of these huge powers succumb to that. By the way, China is the biggest holder of our debt, uh, aren't they? I, yeah, yeah, they have. A, yeah, I, I think it's about three point something. But but, but China does even, hold a lot of our debt. Yeah. Yeah, but even if they sell that debt in bonds, it's not going to hurt us that much. It'll hurt them more than it hurts us because they're going to take a loss on it. But yes, they do hold a lot of our debt, but they have a lot of problems as well. Here is the bottom line to what's going on as we see it. You mentioned before about the stock buybacks, and that's what's driv driven the market since, the, since 2009, cheap money. What brings the market down are rising interest rates. If the Federal Reserve raises interest rates two more times, you're going to start seeing a decline. One into September and one in December, you're going to see the markets retracting. The Trump rally is essentially over. And we call the Trump rally three weeks after he got elected. And we call the Trump correction in, the, in, our, in our trends journal, top trends of 2018. We said the markets would correct, and they did. Now they're going back up. But we believe they're near their peak. They don't have a lot to go up higher because the tax cuts and the stock buybacks is going to start wearing down. Here is the real issue. The dollar is strong because the other currencies are so weak. I just mentioned to you what the debt level is in China. And their yuan is going down very rapidly now. It's down several percents just since April. And they're not bringing it down purposely. They're bringing it down because of the problems that they're having with their GDP numbers and their infrastructure repair numbers and on and on. So the other issue is, I mentioned about Europe, negative interest rates. Then you have all of these emerging markets that borrowed tens of trillions of dollars when the dollar was cheap. As interest rates go up, the dollar gets stronger. Now they have to pay back their debt in their declining currencies. All of the emerging markets virtually, I shouldn't say all virtually, most of them are in record level lows, hitting record level lows against the dollar. So they're the having Turkish. to pay back that debt even as, as the American currency rises with currencies of their own that are in decline. Exactly. Now let's go back to Iran. Oh, by the way, the Iranian rial is down 80% against the dollar. Now, if these trade sanctions go on, which they are, and tensions keep rising in the Middle East, which they are, and oil prices spike above $80 to $100 a barrel, kiss the global economy goodbye. We, I mentioned, and you well know, as you, you, you pointed out with what they're paying back, oil is based in dollars. For example, India, 80% of its energy is imported. The Indian rupee is down about 7% against the dollar. So now they're paying 7% more for oil as the oil price is going up. China, Turkey, all of the emerging markets, all of the energy-dependent nations are now spending more money. Now let's go to the United States. Look at the credit card debt that people have. Look at how most people, was it 70% of the population doesn't have $1,000 in the bank? Yeah, that's frightening, right. What's going to happen when oil prices go up? You're saying whatever so, reserves people have, personal reserves, are going to be chewed up by the cost of these commodities rising. You got it. So and that's what we're it, concerned of with most. I know I'm going to let you go here, but is there anywhere to run in a scenario like this? It all, it all looks so grim. Well, we don't give financial advice, but in your new Trends Journal, it's coming out in a, in a little bit. And people that have been following me over the years, that's one of the ways I made my name is in 2002, I call the beginning of the gold bull run. And when gold started to decline and it hit 
into the uh, the fifteen hundred levels. I, I said this is this is it. It's going to go down much more. And for gold to stay strong, it has to go over fourteen seventy five, which once it went below it or fourteen fifty, it 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 didn't. It, got, it hasn't done it in five years. And then I said when gold was around in the thirteen hundreds, if gold goes below twelve eighty five, it's going to uh, go down to twelve hundred. And that's where we're looking at now. It's 12 and change, 1207, 1208 an ounce. We believe gold is at the bottom. And that's what we said, 1200's near the bottom. I don't give financial advice. And the way I began my career is when the Iranian crisis broke out, I was in DC and Jimmy Carter said Iran was the island of stability in the Middle East. And in the Bronx, we used to have a saying, BS has its own sound. <laughs> and I knew that was BS because I saw what was going on with these and then that's when I became a political atheist as well. And I knew, the, I knew the revolution was real. And I said, golden oil prices are going to go up. And I started playing golden oil futures. And Mark, I, I did a $5,000 playing the futures. I brought it up to almost three quarters of a million dollars. And that's when I quit my job. But to make it clear, I lost most of it, too, because I didn't know what I was doing. I was a young guy, you know, and I thought I was going to become a millionaire and retire at 35. So what I'm saying is I believe it's at the bottom of the market and that for people that speculate in that kind of a way, this is something to consider looking at. Because if there's a breakout of high oil prices... If there is military conflict with Iran, Israel, and or Saudi Arabia and the United States, we are saying the equity markets around the globe are going to crash as well as many economies and gold prices will spike. Wow. Wow. Uh, it's so illuminating always to speak with you. And you've got a great perspective. And I'd love to check in with you more than we have in the past. So I hope we can do it maybe again next month or something as uh, as events continue to unfold. Oh, anytime. And, and thank you for all that you're doing. And I appreciate being on. Yeah, we'll have a click through to Gerald's website on our website, the Trends Research Institute. It just great takes and clean takes and understandable takes on so much. Again, Gerald Salenti. Thanks again, man. And thank you, Mark. Okay. There's a click through to Gerald's newsletter, the Trends Journal on our website, edge-show.com. Thanks again to Heather Ankeny and to Gerald Salenti and to Jay Elvis Weinstein, everybody who helps to make the show happen every week. Thanks to you for your support, your five-star reviews, any positive things you say, and that iTunes world helps us move to the top of the queue. It's a crazy setup, but that's the way it's set up. And of course, thank you, as I have at the beginning of the show, for your financial support as well. Until next time, bye-bye. <laughs> I want to thank you for all the ways that you support my friends on the Edge podcast. And if you haven't already, why don't you show your support and subscribe? What's the matter with you? Go to Edge Show. Oh, shit, it's Edge Dash. What, what's with the dash, stupid? All right, let me. I want to thank you for all the ways that you support my friends on the Edge podcast. To show your support and leave something on their website, edge-show.com. Stupid. Why is there a dash? Edge-show.com. Edge-show.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.